get the blues sometimes. Be feeling really down. Wishing you were someone else. As you scroll up and down and see. You ain't got the lights like her. But that don't really matter. Cause you got it all, baby. Hit him with the shoulders in. If not, don't care who's looking. You better feel yourself. Touch on your body, baby. You better love yourself. Welcome to the BZ Podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of sitting with the very talented, soulful, melodic, running out of adjectives, <laughs> real boss, yes! real boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we need sound effects, yo. We gotta get sound effects on the podcast for real. Um, for those that uh, aren't familiar with her, she's a recording artist out of Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, that's correct. That right? is correct. That is correct. Wrong. All right. It's Accra, right? Yeah, Accra. Accra, the capital. Accra. Capital. Capital mm-hmm. of Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, I randomly stumbled upon her Instagram years back. I followed her throughout the years. Always wanted to work with her in some capacity. Um, finally came to fruition. And we're just ecstatic to have her on as our first guest. Mm-hmm. Real boss, ladies and gentlemen, that aren't I'm listening so excited right now. To be <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you so much for coming on with us. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, what's up? How are you? I'm good. You know, it's been a. I've had like a kind of crazy couple of weeks, but uh, I'm doing good. I'm I'm alive. Is what I'll say. I'm alive and I'm blessed. So I give thanks. No, yes. very much, very much. So, mm-hmm. so first and foremost, I want to jump right into <laughs> it. Um, Find your free is probably my favorite EP. Oh wow! Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Find Your Free is my favorite EP. Um, the Flame On, I'm a sucker for live music, mm-hmm. so anytime somebody's doing live music, you got me. You know what I mean? Uh, Flame On is my joint. Holding Hands in Public is my shit. Uh, Equal is my shit. I, I just really enjoy your music. You know? Oh, thank you. I'm like, I'm glad that you actually took the time to like take the journey, because like between Equal and Holding Hands in Public, there's a lot of EPs in between. <laughs> Yo, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Yeah, playing catch up was crazy. <laughs> playing catch up was crazy. It's so much music. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, all right, so since, you know, Zay was selfish enough to not share your music with me before this, <laughs> I, yeah, um, I'm a little upset about that, but I will tell you, I am in awe of what you have created. Um, you sound like a trap India Irie. In Thank opinion. you. Yes, <laughs> I, I received that. I was trap India Irie. You're like, like cool, cool. Because I like oh, sound cool. like India Irie, but you don't want gutta. Okay, okay. <laughs> but um, you know, like your voice is just so buttery and rich. I just love it. And I planned on just skimming through your music real quick, you know, just to get a feel. Mm-hmm. But the next thing I knew, I'm just listening to every track in its entirety. I never <laughs> felt the urge to skip a track. And the feeling you bring to each set of songs just definitely encompasses the listener. You're just so open, honest, and relatable. Thank you. And after, no problem. And afterwards, I called Zay and I'm like, woo, like, I feel like I just went on a journey. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm worn she out. Said she was, yeah, she said she was like emotionally exhausted, not in a bad way, but just you, you took her on a ride. And, you know, to my credit, I, I told her when we first uh, confirmed that we were going to do yeah. this, I told her like three weeks ago, okay. like, oh, hey, yo, catch up on this music, yo, time. it's dope. <laughs> Three weeks. No, but this is the thing. Isaiah's like, you know, she cool. No, no, no. That, nah, don't, chill. don't do that don't. dry. She cool. He should have told me this is urgent. Like, you need <laughs> so to hear I have this. A problem. <laughs> so I, I got to admit, I have a problem when I'm really excited about something or I'm not as excited. It's going to be the same thing. Yeah, when I can't I'm talking tell the about difference. It. Yeah, so that's my bad. I got to work on that. Yeah, you should have said no, Brittany, like now. Like, you need, to, you need this in your life now. And I needed it. God. Okay, uh, but yeah, so you know, pretty much. But I'm just saying that is real talent to be able to just take someone like that, you know, on a journey. And I loved every track from Cookout. Yeah, Low is my, my favorite. Yes, yeah, okay. Low is my jam. <laughs> like, nigga, you ain't slick. <laughs> you ain't hello. Um, Not slick at all. Yes, like right. And the underwater EP, the whole thing just creates such a dreamy, melancholy mood. Like, I just love it. And Soulmates is such a beautiful song. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I love that song. Yeah, yeah it's that's song. probably yeah. a favorite that I recorded. What'd you say? I'm sorry. That's probably one of my favorites that I recorded. I uh, yes, yeah. I love it. It's stuck in my head all the time. <laughs> um, I love your women empowerment tracks. Uh, you make mm-hmm. me feel proud to be a woman. Yes, and, I'm a woman's woman. Yes. I'm all about that. Yes, yes. Um, Bloodbath is a masterpiece in my opinion. Thank you. I love, I love the <laughs> intro. I get that from um, women mostly. Bloodbath resonates with yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, yes, like that is. I just feel your soul just pouring out in that one. Um, all the tracks on that project are amazing, and but I could just keep going on and on. Like I had to cut this short because <laughs> I was just going. Like I had a long list, but people need to go. Just people can just go check it out themselves. Um, I don't want to take up too much time, but. <laughs> You've had a busy last year, over 44 songs in 11 weeks, um, under the series title, Thank God It's Rhea, um, and Thank God It's Right, <laughs> because it's incredible. Yes. So, <laughs> tell us about the process of this 11-week project. Um, okay, so kind of like dis- disclaimer. So when I record music, I tend to just, I record for fun, like it's something I like to do. So I'm sitting on a vault of over like 300 songs I've recorded over four or five years. Uh, and so, <laughs> your face, your face is right now. That's, that's a catalog. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so um, my stepbrother was like, "Yo, like you're sitting on a lot of this music. You don't have a lot of EPs out, and why don't you just just like do something for your fans, where you kind of just like release some projects, you know, give it out to them for free because you have enough music to do that." Um, and I realized I, I'm, I've always been kind of like waiting for a reason to drop music or waiting for the right moment or waiting for something. Um, and I realized that, no, I, should, I shouldn't wait anymore. And so I'm born on a Friday. Uh, and so I thought, okay, I'm going to do it on Fridays. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Rhea. I'm going to take over your Fridays. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even beat that. I didn't even beat that. And when is your birthday? And my birthday, when is your birthday? November 24th. So I'm a, Sag- okay. I'm a Sagittarius. Yeah, I knew you were a Sagittarius. I was like, she has to be a Sag. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, so, continue. Um, yeah, so then I decided, you know what, like, leading up to my birthday on November 24th, I was going to decide every single Friday I was going to call it Thank God It's Rhea, and I was going to drop a four-song EP every single Friday. Um, and all of the EPs, a lot of them were... How do I put it? Some of them are new songs that I had recorded fresh during those weeks, like the weeks leading up to the Friday. But some of them are also okay. um, reimaginings of other songs from my vault, um, songs I've recorded like six years ago that I just decided to change the instrumental. Or some of the intros are exactly the way I recorded them three years ago, like in Brooklyn while I was there. So a lot of it is just a, a bit of music from everywhere, but it definitely kind of chronicles... Um, what I was going through in my life at the time, I suppose. And that's what I like about it. Because each one is very specific to a mood, to a feeling, to... Mm-hmm. Bloodbath is definitely rage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, underwater, mm-hmm. you got it. I'm very dreamy and I'm just kind of like in this in-between limbo state. Um, and so each mm-hmm. one of them kind of took you on a journey of Rhea. Um, and thank God, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um i've always been a person creatively that just relied on like some type of inspiration angel to create something yeah you know uh how does that work for you um, like um are you waiting what what in, what inspires you is there like a, a pressure involved to like deliver or just how, how do you tick how do you tick um, that's a good one for me I have to live. I literally have to be experiencing life in order to write about anything. Um, it's it's not even necessarily that, oh, um, something has inspired me. So I feel like writing is more so how I'm choosing to live is what is guiding what I'm writing about. Um, how I'm interacting with the people around me or how I'm interacting with nature. All those different things are how I, I'll, I'll be inspired to write. And so even with, let's say, some of the songs I think God is Rhea, like, I just got out of a, a relationship and a lot of those raw feelings that I was going through with him are what I directly translated into a lot of the music um, or relationship with my family. Uh, I have a song called Bloodbound that talks about 
my relationship with my family because like sometimes it's not your family it's such a blood it's your friends and because I was going through something with my own family where I felt like some of my friends were there for me more than my family was so it's just yeah the the, the I'm actively trying to live a life such that I can write about it um, um, or live in such a way yeah live in such a way that I can write and the you know what you write becomes like a manual or a handbook for someone else and so it's like if you're living in a particular kind of way you'll you'll be able to, to, to write from that place. That's really interesting because like um I think a lot of people try to pull from life. So they kind of let life dictate their art, but you're kind of catching it in the forefront and living your life to create your art. Yeah. In the yeah. sense, if that makes any sense. Yeah, That's which so... means I live, like you have to actively live without fear, which is hard. Like I'm saying that right now and I'm like, scared of so many things <laughs> but you know it's actively just like choosing yourself yeah. and like just making these decisions such that what you're writing about is is very much your like experience and that's what i think is very important because a lot of the people that i love like nina simone eric badu like Lord Hill, they write from mm-hmm. places that are very much specific to them because uh, even like nina simone writing misunderstood she was talking about her and her relationship like it's very specific um, and yet it's, and yet from that specific place, she, re- she got a hit that so many people were able to resonate with. So I think, yeah, right. just living without the intention of pulling from, but just living in such a way that the pulling comes naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's super dope. So usually when Americans think of African music, it's a very particular sound, yeah. but with yours being, you know, heavily based in neo soul, I'm curious to know how big of a genre is that in Ghana. Um, you're kind of looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I, that's not a bad position to be not, in. Yeah. That's not it a bad not, position but, um, to be in. I will in. say that um, the the Ghanaian underground is filled with a lot of different kinds of sounds. We have trap. We have soul. Okay. We have electro, we have rock. The underground of a crowd music is very much more mm-hmm. global than Afrobeats. Um, but in terms of like the genre that I've decided to forge here, I'm like one of very few people who are doing it and not um, compromising. And when I say that, I mean to say like not choosing to like even like make it a little bit Afrobeatsy, so I can kind of like yeah, play, you know, no, 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 like. Um, in that regard, there's very few of us, but that's also, like you said, a very good position to be in because if you're consistent, you're pioneering a movement, and you're like the first of your time. Um, and that's kind of like, that's kind of for me one of the reasons I moved back here, too. <laughs> right. Because oversaturation over here, I feel that. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask next, like, is there any pressure or expectation, though, to add a Ghanaian element to your music? Oh, yeah. De- what? Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Oh, my goodness. Like, I, won't, I cannot, like, tell you how many times people have told me, you know, for example, we have different uh, languages in Ghana. Uh, my family was Ga, mm-hmm. so we're the Ga tribe. And a lot of people will say, why don't you sing in Ga? Or, you know, why don't you add a couple of God phrases to your songs and I'm, and it's it gets a little frustrating because for me when I when I when I think in music I think in two languages English and French um, and so it's hard for me even though I can speak Ga a little bit I don't naturally fall to Ga in my in my writing and I feel like that wouldn't be authentic of me I feel like I'd be putting it on if I decided to put it in my music gotcha um, mm-hmm. and so yeah there's, there's definitely a pressure I've had people I've had People tell me all kinds of things, like, you know, add different rhythms, you know, try to be, you know, just make mm-hmm. it a bit more Afrobeat so you can still write your songs the way you want to write them. But um, but I've, I've chosen to be particularly stubborn. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you at all. It's funny um, you're saying this because leading up to this, I came across an article and it was talking about Africanizing uh, the hip hop coming out of Ghana specifically, and they were saying in order to make Ghanaian hip hop more recognizable on the world market, um, th- there's a need to add these African elements, yeah. like as far as certain type of drums and and, and things of that nature. Um, do you think there's some merit to that? Because from the article I was reading, they were saying that the music out of Ghana is sounding too close to Western hip hop. They were just talking about hip hop in this article, and they want to uh, specifically put like a Ghanaian fingerprint yeah. on it, so so it's recognizable, um, you know. 
you know, one thing I'll say to that is just by virtue of it coming out of Ghana and coming out of a Ghanaian person, it's Ghanaian, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so, mm-hmm. for example, some of the hip-hop that comes out of here is going to sound, it sounds, that we have people, call, we have a group called the Mem Gang here, and they're, like, our first, like, trap, it's like, they're trap, hip-hop, fusion, but you can even tell with them they're trying to add elements that are, you know, Ghanaian because they need that, they need that African thing to help them sell. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mm-hmm. thing is, they're inspired by people like ASAP Rocky and like Odd Future and Wu-Tang. And, you know, because they're inspired by those people, maybe their sound isn't going to sound, you know, necessarily like it's from Ghana, but it's coming out of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, the you know, that pressure to kind of like Africanize it, it's present and a lot of our artists are doing that. But I would argue that that's one of the reasons why some of our artists haven't broken as far as they might be able to um, is because they're kind of afraid to just like, you know, to, to take the risk of not Africanizing the music. Just do it the way you want to do it. Um, because, for example, um, here in Ghana, we listen to a lot of Western music. I mean, you know, we listen to, we listen to practically the same thing, like the same things that are on the charts in the States. We listen to the same things here at our parties. We dance into the same music, but, you know, so... In that in that regard, there should be um, a market for you know y'all being able to bump to our hip hop, um, right? The same right. way, yeah. And so without it having to be like add a little djembe drum or you know those kinds of mm-hmm. those kinds of things, yeah. How would you suggest uh, an artist out of Ghana reach Western Western uh, a Western population as far as uh, how how do they engage an audience over here? I know it's gotta be kind of hard yeah um it is definitely hard but i will say one thing that has like really kind of like made us all one is the internet right like right we're like i'm talking to you guys right now yeah <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> for right. sure and so we're bridging the gap we're bridging the gap and so i think that and a lot of Ghanaian artists right now they are making very good use of the internet and, and making sure that they're like you know going through like specific distribution channels so they can get their music on like spotify title all that i think it's also about gotcha. pushing, pushing and promoting your brand. Because one thing people forget is like doing, making the music is like half the job. Like the, the other half is like mm-hmm. you have to actively push it. And one thing that I know does very well for all markets is people need to see you, your visuals, you know, your pushing of your music. Well, all of that really matters. And so for Ghanaian artists, it's the same. I would say the same thing to like someone in London or someone in the States is that how consistent you are with pushing your brand and how, how, is what is going to, you know, kind of bring the results that you want. And so for young Ghanaians, it's about making sure that you are utilizing social media. You are pushing to the best of your ability. Like with me, I used to be very stubborn. Um, I used to not like push my music as much because I was like, I want people to find me organically. Yeah. Just, (laughs) you know, and the thing is, I wasn't ever thinking like, okay, but I'm also like a young girl from Ghana. You know, I don't have the same like, avenues that someone who might be in the middle of New York might, you know, those kinds of things. And so I started realizing that I actually had to push myself even more. Whereas if I had mm-hmm. to go on like Reverb Nation and make an account or, you know, tune core mm-hmm. diddle music, all these things, if I had to put myself in the same position that an American or London artist might be putting themselves in so I can be seen by the that same audience. Right. Because the way the way they push it, you know, globally is why we listen to Rihanna here or why I listen to Beyonce. You know, and so we have to use that same approach. Um, granted, we have a, a smaller mar- market and our capital is a little bit smaller. Um, and our music industry definitely does us a disservice here because, man, they, we don't have very good, like, royalty payment. We don't have very good publishing. Here. And so because of all of that, it really hinders how we're seen on, like, a global scale, right? Because, like, you're not seeing us on, on your charts Mind you, you can see Mr. Easy, Wizkid, Burna Boy, they're all doing global stuff like in London, you know what I mean? But you don't ever hear of like a lot more African artists because of how the industry in their respective countries is also like not necessarily being very helpful. Mm. Wow. I didn't think about that. Yeah, just the whole music industry period. Oh my over goodness. There. We could talk Jeez. about that for like three so, years. Are you signed to anyone? Or? Ooh, I'm independent. Fully, fully independent. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, wait, because that doesn't sound like a good situation. No, um, no, 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 no. Yeah, and I wanted to jump back in. 
I wanted to jump back into that. So you're completely self-produced, correct? Yes. So what I wanted to ask about your process with that. Like, so do the beats come first? Do you just get a random melody in your head? Do the lyrics come first? Like, what is the process for you? Um, or is it a little bit of everything? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. Um, like, uh, some of my favorite things to do is, like, building harmony. That's my favorite mm-hmm. thing to do. Um, and if you, like, if you, like, come on my computer one day, you'll see that I have, like, harmony one, harmony two, all the way to, like, harmony four, oh, 435. Cool. <laughs> um, and I like to record lots and lots of harmonies, and I feel like that's where most of my songs start. Um, in mm-hmm. how I in how I see the harmony going, and if I'm the one produced, for example, I also collaborate with a producer called the Flower Poppy. Um, and um, the, fla- the Flower Poppy, yeah, the, I want to write that yeah, down. Yeah, Flower Poppy. Um, I also collaborate with him, and so sometimes what will happen is if I feel like I'll build a harmony, um, and then around the harmony, I might either build the lyrics off of the harmony, which is usually what happens, mm. um, or I'll build the beat around the harmony which will determine how the song goes. And lots, sometimes the, the writing doesn't even come first. Like this, I write a lot just in general, but sometimes the writing, the words don't come. It's, it's about, mm-hmm. how do I explain it? How the, how the harmony makes you feel is how it will inform what you're going to sing about. And I'll explain that with um, one, of my, one of my intros. is called Wild Woman. Um, and I remember for, for that particular... That particular intro, I heard the song in like my head. I heard the harmony in my head. And when I got mm-hmm. to the studio with the flower poppy, I like played it over and over. We collaborated on the instrumental, and then it was only after it was finished that the words came. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was only after it was finished that the words. Whereas there's also some songs where I've been thinking about the words over. Like I have this one song right now that I know I have to record because the words came to me. I was a little drunk. I've been smoking a little weed, and, <laughs> and I'm sitting there. That's the inspiration, Andrew, that I was like, talking about. Like, do you, like, record it maybe real quick in your phone or yes. like something so you don't forget, so I don't forget. or is it just locked in? No, no, no. So, some, depending on how hard the spirit of the song hits, I'll be able to remember, gotcha. I'll be able to remember right. it later, but otherwise I record it. And I know I have this one song right now, mm-hmm. the words, every single day I say the words to myself. Every single day it's like, I gotta write this. This song has to be recorded, and I don't even have the instrumental. I haven't built a harmony. It's just these words that keep coming to me. So, like, mm-hmm. sometimes that happens as well, where the words come first. So it's like a little bit of all of it. The words come first, the melody. You ever felt like a um a song that's come to you? It, it's kind of writing itself. Yes. Oh, see, this is the song I'm talking about. This, this is the one that's in my head right now. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Like what? Like as the days pass, more words are added because life is happening. I don't think a lot of people get to uh, talk about the creative process a lot, right? Right. And I always try to figure out like what I know what drives me or certain things or my process when I dabble into that. But I always want to know other people's process and if it's similar. And I see there's a lot of similarities between creatives. Mm-hmm. Um. So when we first talked about doing this podcast, one of the things you told me to look up was the the Full Circle Festival. Yes. That can you tell us uh, about that? Okay. Like, wh- wh- how big was that? Okay, so um, this this year um marks um the the year of return um which is marks four hundred years since the first slave ships left um the African coast allegedly. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, and so with it being the year of return, um, the government of Ghana did this um, festival that invited um, a lot of these African-American, like, actors, like, so pretty much celebrities, like, who's who we had, uh, Michael Jai White, um, Boris Kujo, Idris, Idris Elba, Naomi Campbell, um, Rosario Dawson, Anthony Anderson, like, uh, Diggy Simmons, a bunch of different people um, came down um, to kind of explore Ghana. Um, to get to know their roots, um, pretty much just sort of kind of discover their ancestry. But it was also an opportunity for the government of Ghana to kind of like beef up their tourism as well, um, to kind of introduce these people okay. to what Ghana can, what Ghana offers, et cetera, et cetera. And so the Full Circle Festival kind of brought them all here to welcome them back home. Um, and for the rest of the year, there's going to be like a bunch of different events happening. Um, 
And so, yeah, they brought, like, a delegation of over 85, 85, like, African-American, like, pretty much celebrities, essentially. And they were all here for about three weeks. Literally, like, you go chill at Burger King, and they're standing right there. It was so awkward. Oh, my God. It, just, oh, it was so awkward. Like, you're just going to the regular spots, you're hanging out, and it's like, hey, Naomi Campbell, okay. Like, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, so... That's cool. So that's what the Full Circle Festival was. Um, now, the reason I actually like brought it up to you is because it did get a lot of backlash in the sense that, um, you know, Africa, I don't know, Africa being in now. And so it's like, now's the time that you want to come back. You know, now's, this is the reason that people want to come mm. back. And also, the criticism was that they, it wasn't that they were coming and, let's say, giving back or it, as in any kind of initiative on their part. It was our government was funding it completely. Um, and so the money that could have gone towards like infrastructure to help our tourism went towards bringing people yeah. here. So it's like a okay. double edged sword. That's what I was gonna say. Um, I bet that brought in a lot of money, but <laughs> oh, they spent they spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of money. <laughs> that's that's weird. Yeah. Um. Uh. So one thing I want to clear up. Uh. For some reason, I was told, or this is a running narrative, is that. Africans don't like the term African American. Said Africans don't like the term African American. Yeah, sounds nuts, but that's something that is common over here for some reason. So I want to clear that up. I I don't have a problem with that. Okay, all right. I, let me tell you something though. Let me say something about Af- us Africans though. We can be very picky and we can nitpick. So I bet you there are some Africans mm-hmm. that are like. You don't like that. <laughs> you don't like that. They're in America, so they're American. I can hear my mom saying that. So yeah, totally. Okay, okay. So I mean, it's a thing, but it's not accepted by everybody. Yeah, yeah. I got. We gotta break down these barriers, man. I feel break like the there's barriers. A All the stereotypes. I can help you right now. <laughs> nice. All the stereotypes. Awesome. Okay. Yes. All right, cool. <laughs> um. Uh. Obviously, I should have asked this in the beginning. Can can you tell us a little bit about your background? Like, where exactly were you born? Okay. I know you spent time over here. Like, um, what, what's the timeline? Because you have yeah, the timeline. Both. Let's give you the history. <laughs> um, okay, I was born in London, uh, and then moved to Gabon in Central Africa. Lived in Gabon until I was four. Um, moved from Gabon, lived in Ghana. So French is my first language. I learned French before. I okay. Um. And then I moved to Ghana, lived in Ghana until I was six, 17. Uh, and then I left from Ghana, went to New York, lived in New York for ooh, 10 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and then lived in LA for about a year and a half, and then I moved back home. Okay. Nice, nice. So I'm about to turn 30 in November. Hey, yes, yes. See you about to turn 30? I'm about to turn 30 in November. So I'm Turn it up the oh, whole year. Welcome. Yes. Welcome. Come on over. Come on over. Cross Thank over. You. I'm, I'm, I'm coming on. I'm excited. Yeah, right. right. I was excited too. I was like, I don't want to do the 20s again. No. I'm, the I'm 20s glad it happened. Okay. Don't need to stay there. I don't know. I miss my knees in the 20s. Oh though. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> really sad. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, so, having experienced all these places, like, um, it had to have shaped you as an individual. I would assume. Do you prefer any place more than the um, other? Oh, hmm, that's that's a hard one. I think um, I I get something different every from every place that I have lived and every place I visited. Um, my um, mom um, has had the privilege of being able to work in different countries, and so like I've lived, we've lived in Tunisia, we've lived in the Ivory Coast. Oh wow! Um, Gabon also, and now she lives in. She's uh, my mom lives in Paris now. She's the, the ambassador for Ghana to France. Um, oh wow! And so wow. we've like lived. We've had the privilege of not only being able to live in different places, but I also have family members. So I'm the only one right now in my whole family that lives in Ghana with my grandmother. Oh. Um, everyone else lives either in the states or in Europe or yeah, pretty much Asia, different parts of Africa, and so. Just the privilege of being able to travel has given me... I don't know, when you travel, it kind of changes your perspective on your everyday mm-hmm. trajectory in life. Like, it makes mm-hmm. things... I don't know, things that you might think are... Things that you get mad at right now, when you start traveling and like, expanding <laughs> your mind, you don't get mad about them. Like, mm-hmm. Not to get super zen on you guys, you know? But it's like... <laughs> yeah, 
Nah, nah, go, child, go, go. Yeah, like I agree. Traveling has, 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 for me, I've gotten something very special from every place that I've been, every place that I've lived. Yeah. I think where I became myself, where I became real boss, where I like self actualized was in New York, was in Harlem, actually. Mm-hmm. That's where I became like, mm-hmm. myself. Um, I would say the place that I learned to love myself more was when I was living in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say, like, I've learned about parts of my own ancestry being in places like Gabon or being in places like Cote d'Ivoire or Burkina Faso. That's where my, my father's from Burkina. So I'm half Ghanaian and uh, half Burkina Day. Um, and so I learned, I learned a lot. I, I don't know, I'm inspired by a lot of things in all of those places. But if I were to, I can't ever pick one. Even living in Ghana now, I can't even say that. Ghana's my favorite place right now. It's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Everywhere has like a, a piece of me. True Sag, such a traveler. <laughs> yeah, Sag, you don't like to be in one place at all. Like, you don't like that. Yes. Nope. <laughs> but when, so when exactly did you start creating music though? Like within all of this, when did you start like recording? Okay, so the first song that I pretty much ever released like I'm releasing a single, guys. It was on Valentine's Day 2011. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Valentine's Day 2011. It was called Mary. So Mary you were Brown. still in New York at that time, right? Mm-hmm. So I was in New York, in New York at that time? Yeah, I was. That was when I, okay. I decided okay. I was going to start releasing music as a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, mm-hmm. when I've been in school and stuff, I've been singing in choirs. Mind you, it took a, mm-hmm. you might be surprised, but it took me a long time to be confident to sit in front of people. Like, a good... I, I'm not surprised at that oh, at I all. I'll let that, you know that right now. I, I'm terrified. You know, yes. When I tell you I have to, like, hide behind pillows, when you're like, sing for us, yeah. I have to, like, someone would have to hold my hand. Like, it took, it took me uh, being in New York and being around like, my specific group of friends out there that, like, allowed mm-hmm. me to start getting more comfortable so yeah i started releasing music mm-hmm. um, while i was there and started gigging while i was in new york i formed my first band there we gigged all over the east mm-hmm. coast yeah that was, that was new york wow nice fear um you you, <laughs> you touched on yeah you touched on fear before like how have you overcome that fear of performing, how have you overcome the fear? Because one of the things is scary. People don't want to feel vulnerable in front of people, and 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 how how did you personally overcome that? Because fear is a real big driver of all things creative. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you ever have you ever do you remember the moment where um, you were doing what you're passionate about and somebody reacted to it in a way that you were so proud of? Like, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you did, like, you did a piece of work, and someone was like, this is amazing. And then that feeling you yeah. had when they said that, mm-hmm. that, for me, is what helps me overcome the fear. Because the first time I saw somebody physically react to my voice was when I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to be scared anymore. Like, that, for me, was, like, very telling. Mm-hmm. Someone, like, the first, I think that was when someone cried. Yeah. And then I'm emotional. So, like, she cried and then I cried and it was just we're all crying. But mm-hmm. in, that, in that moment, I realized that like what I did was invoke like invoke an emotion out of someone that I that I had been feeling. And from that day, I was not scared to sing in front of people anymore. Like it was almost like if I'm gonna do this, it's gonna help someone, mm-hmm. even if it's hurting me to do it. Like it's gonna help someone in some way. Definitely. Yeah. Good advice, <laughs> for sure. It's funny you say that um, invoking an emotion. Like I feel like the music that I've always enjoyed made me feel something, or or tapped into a tapped to into an emotion. Whatever that emotion was, love, anger, joy, sadness. It didn't matter. So like, I feel and when I was listening to your music, I feel that it feels like a testimony. It's like a testimony over lo-fi beats. You know what I'm saying? And I think that speaks. That 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 definitely speaks. When you start tapping into people's uh uh sensibilities, your music reaches. You know, it grows on. It's it's amazing, man. It's a double edged sword though. It means you have to live through stuff that like some people can't live through and then be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At when did you realize um, 
people identified with your music? Was there at a certain point like somebody just hit you up randomly and just said, this is amazing, like came out of nowhere? Um, I have, I have every like couple of months, okay, is it a couple of months or a couple of days? Okay, yeah, every couple of months I have this feeling where I'm like, I want to delete all my music. I don't like it anymore. It's making <laughs> me upset. Take it off, delete. Like right now, I'm on a social media break. Like I, I deactivated Instagram. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Yeah. So I go through periods of time like that. And I remember one time, one song I had is called "Never Real," and I was getting really annoyed about it. And I was just like, I'm just taking it off myself. Mm-hmm. Three days later, I get a message from someone I don't know from Japan, who's like, "Hey, um, you don't know me. I've listened to your music for like." years I just realized that Never Real isn't on SoundCloud anymore um, and it's one of my it's one of my favorite songs that you've recorded and I just wanted to know like can I pay you to send me the song and oh in that moment that was everything for me like I just yeah, yeah that that for me was like okay you know what I'm never gonna start I'm never gonna doubt it because then you know that there's someone even if it's one person right like Mm-hmm. It's resonating and it's working. That's that's that that feeling of like validation is like mm-hmm. unparalleled. Right. That's unparalleled. <laughs> Even when we as a podcast, every now and then somebody will reach out to us that we had no idea was listening to it. <laughs> right. and, you know, like somebody random or even people we know, and it's just like wow, it, it makes you want to keep going. Definitely. So, all right. So you said that you left the states about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you've had time to experience our current president. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was there when he was elected. Our current so. climate, yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, because I know that he does have influence globally of whatever's going on, you know, kind of influences other places. Is there any type of, you know, do you feel any type of that over there in Ghana? And actually, it's funny you ask that question right now because last week they just changed all visa visa requirements, they put sanctions on our country last week. Um, oh. Because, um, yeah, they're, they're stating, citing that some of the reasons are because um, we have a large number of Ghanaian immigrants in the United States and they're trying to deport them. And so until 7,000 Ghanaian immigrants in the United States that they're trying to deport, and until that they're all mm. deported, they're going to put restrictions on us being able to come in and out of the United States. So they're putting restrictions on our, oh, wow. yeah, putting restrictions on our visas. Um, such that if you already have a visa, that's cool. But if you're about to apply, they're going to put it's going to be a lot more restrictive. And so, for example, like tourist mm. visas are going to be harder to come by. Um, school visas are going to be a little bit more difficult as well. So for the next couple of months, mm-hmm. we have yeah, Ghana has been sanctioned by the United States. Wow. Uh, see, we over here doing the groundwork, trying to bridge the gap, and they putting yeah. up the roadblocks. <laughs> okay. Goodness. <laughs> Never ending. Oh, your oh, guy. So, what what prompted you to move back, though? Um, yeah, this everyone asks me this question, but I never know how to describe it. Um, mm-hmm. I had just moved to okay. Hmm. I've been in a really bad, bad, bad relationship for like three years. Um, okay. And coming out of that relationship, my family kind of had an intervention with me where they were like, "Okay, listen." You can either go back to New York and stay with this guy and we're mm-hmm. not going to talk to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to LA, you know, seek your music dreams out there and we'll support you. Mm-hmm. And so I left to LA and I, when I moved out there, I was going to the Musicians Institute. Um, but then, like, I guess it was like August, I got this overwhelming feeling to go home. Like, I don't, I mm-hmm. can't. To this day, I cannot even say what that feeling was, whether some people want to say it's God or like something. I don't know what it mm-hmm. was, but something was telling me to come home because I got extremely homesick and I, I didn't even fit. Like, I still yeah. have one semester left of the Musician Institute. Like, oh, wow. yeah, like that's how deep the feeling mm-hmm. was. Like, I had to, like, the minute yeah. I felt it, I had to move. Um, and I realized it was probably because, like, during that whole time I'd been in that relationship, I hadn't had any family. I hadn't had, like, everything mm-hmm. was over the phone or. My mom would come right. and see me for very few periods of time, and my grandmother raised me, and so I hadn't seen her. The whole time I was living in the States, I never saw my grandmother. Like, I only saw her maybe twice while I was living in the States. Okay. Um, and so I think all of that might have just become an overwhelming sense to come home. Um, and so I just followed the feeling. Like, it was one of those impulsive, like, if I'm feeling like going home, I'm just going to go home. 
and I left, and I mean, it didn't it didn't hurt that like Trump had just been elected, so it didn't make my decision that hard, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but, you ain't leave, you listen, escaped. Okay. Right away. So yeah, yeah. In, in that moment, I just, yeah, I came home, and I I I don't regret it. You know, I don't, I do not regret the decision at Definitely. all. Definitely. Hmm. I think it sucks that um the there's they're sanctioning y'all because I've wanted to go to Ghana specifically yeah, for maybe like the past two years. Well, will it make it more difficult? Will it make it difficult for us to come no, over there? Unless our unless our government like decides to like counter with our own sanctions. Oh, okay, counter. Got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. But our president just came to the states, so he's supposed to be sitting with Trump. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh-huh. <sighs> um, before this, I was uh, I saw this like YouTube video, and it was somebody who traveled to Ghana, yeah. and you know he went to the the coast, and uh, he went to the door of no return, and he was speaking on uh, just some of the ways Ghana is kind of reaching back, and and trying to welcome us back, you know, people of the diaspora. I hope I'm saying that right. I don't even know how to say diaspora correctly. <laughs> Um, but uh he was mentioning and i don't know if you could speak to this but i'm gonna say it uh he was mentioning that um there's certain concessions being made uh if you come with the incentive to build as long as you have the funds ready it's the process of getting land is going to be going to be received and pretty well than that pretty easier to navigate i'm sorry uh the right to live over there the void of citizenship dual citizenship uh, making that process easier, and I wanted to know. Aside from the celebrities you see, have you seen uh, visually that people are motivated to come back to Ghana, or people are motivated as tourism gone up for the average person? Is that something that visually can be seen in your day to day? Absolutely, absolutely. You can see it more and more. People are coming back, as they put it, they're coming back home, and it's. Visually now, I don't think I go one day without seeing someone that's like a, a quote unquote a diaspora who has moved back. Um, mm. And I won't even go as far as okay. some of my people in my own circle of friends are women that are not even gone in at all. Mm-hmm. They just they moved here. You know, one of my really good friends almost said, "Shout out to almost a day." Shout out. What's up? She, um, she moved. Yeah, she yeah. moved here from New York, and she's not even gone in. You know. She came here, she's mm-hmm. working at my old high school, you know what I mean? Like, she's carved out a little life for herself here in Ghana, um, and she's one of many women like that who have come here. Even, like, we've got a bunch of Jamaican, like, my friend Lakeisha, she's from Jamaica, she lives here, and she's mm-hmm. now even started doing her own, like, Jamaican Ghanaian festivals out here every December. So oh, it's wow. like, yeah, so they're also trying to bridge their own gaps in the sense where now that they're here, mm-hmm. they're also trying to create these avenues such that more people can come and visit, more people can discover that there's life outside of this western or american bubble yeah for sure oh man i can't wait you I guys gotta, gotta come over here, here. Yeah, you guys gotta, i got an extra room yes. you know i got a couch you know hey, uh, say, you, go. you gonna have to kick there us out go. you gonna have to kick us out don't open that up <laughs> we won't leave <laughs> we will not leave um <laughs> i ain't planning um i think it's important that uh the the gap to be bridged however you say it um i think it's important that from a, a lot of african americans or that you all know that there is a longing to to want to be home with a lot of us mm-hmm. or there's a longing longing to want to like we kind of don't know anything about our history outside of westerns poorly job of encapsulating it you know and one of the reasons i like traveling and one of the concepts or the or the societal setup is i'm fascinated what life is like day to day when everybody looks like me i know right we don't experience that i can't even experience it i experience it in little windows like i went to the dominican republic um and it kind of got a little glimpse but you know, I, I just don't know what that's like. And for somebody who's experienced both, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's pros and cons between the two. Um, <laughs> but I would imagine, <laughs> I would imagine that like, um, 
you know, the benefits of living in a diverse country as far as like uh, different cultures, the genres of music, like we were touching on before, you're going to get a lot of different multicultural genres of music. But living in a place where you don't feel black, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you don't feel like you, you're kind of always reminded yeah, you're, you're there. Not, here, you can't I mean. just be. Right. Yeah, yeah. You always just have this, like, chip on your shoulder, kind of. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that um, at all? Like, do you, like. Uh, I'm going to flip it to you guys like this. It's funny how you say that, but even here in our own country, when the white man comes, even our own people here treat them better than us. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just a global problem. Yeah, I think so, that's world. That's so, that's so what I will, what I will speak to is, it is like I think there is a privilege in being able to to wake up every day and see so many people that look like you. Um, because what I think is beautiful is like from the billboards to the movies to your commercials mm-hmm. to you are the norm. Um, and right. that represent, like they say, representation matters. Um, you are the norm, but the one of the downsides, though, is that there's still this colonial mentality where when, mm-hmm. you know, white people come here, they are also treated better. They are given better opportunities than, let's say I came, when I first moved back here, it was harder for me to find a job than, let's say, somebody who came and they were white. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of disparities even with regards to socioeconomic balances that occur where, like, even apartments, like your average god man living on eight CDs a day cannot afford to live in an apartment by themselves when people are still living with their parents. Um, because yeah. the quality of life here is only matching expatriate, what we call expats, which is the people that are coming from outside, mostly white. They they are living good here, whereas your local Ghanaian is living very poorly. Um, and so even though I would say that there is a privilege in being able to, and it's empowering living here because I look like everybody, and I don't ever have to think of what I look like. Um, but I would, I will say that there are moments when you are reminded. Um, there are moments when you remember that you were a colony, if you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, that's what I, I mean. I would, I would say on, on that front. So, is there a substantial white population oh there? Oh my gosh! Why won't they leave? I have no I idea. I had no idea. That's I'm like, uh, wait, what? What? <laughs> them and the Chinese, like, if we can get them out of here, we'd be doing really great. <laughs> wow. So, and, and the yeah, Chinese, it's, and funny. The Chinese it's, it's like, they go everywhere, so I get it. Like, whoa, over yeah. here, they go as far as, like, to, and they'll go and get Ghanaian passports, like, and they'll be able to go through the passport line quicker than I will when I'm standing at the passport office. Like, Oh, oh my this God. is insane. Oh my goodness. Oh. It's super funny you say that. Um, I, uh, I came across this video and there was a guy speaking on uh, Asian people just in general. And the Asian businessman was telling him, he was saying how, uh, I mean, it's going to sound insensitive. It triggered <laughs> me a little bit. But he was saying how black people are the dumbest people. Oh. He was like, I can set up shop. If I go to an African country, I set up shop next to a, a a native store that native will be out in three will be out of business That's in a couple truth. months because with the help with the help of the mm-hmm. people living there mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and it was kind of disgusting you know the guy he was talking to took exception to it but it's kind of true it's very true and i would i would say that him saying that we're dumb it's not even dumb we're passive and we're mm-hmm. kind and so we're passive in the way where it's like, even if someone is, like, there's a say, and yes, you, like, it doesn't matter. Like, even if somebody is, like, hurting you, you, you just, you still have to show them a level of respect. We're taught respect to your life. The first, first thing out the womb, the first thing they teach you is respect. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, and so regardless of, it doesn't matter, like, as long as somebody's older than you or somebody in a set, like, has, right. you know, more accolades, then you have to show them respect. And so over here... We're very passive when it comes to things. Even though somebody might be hurting you, you're not going to tell them outright that they're hurting you. You know, and so I would like I, I would I would agree with him in the sense that I wouldn't use the word dumb, but I would say that we're very passive and we can be gullible. We can be very gullible at times. I feel like we're giving. Yeah, we're, we're very some people. Giving. You know, we come yeah. from yeah, we come from the land of plenty, so we always had and we always gave, and that that's kind of the mentality. 
that we're all so welcoming to everybody else. Exactly. But that's like our nature, right? We're kind hearted. Like, yeah. we're open. Like, you know, like village living, community living, like, we're all, we're like that. We're like, you treat people like they're your family, even if they're not your family. Like, that's just mm-hmm. how we're all raised here. Like, to just, you know, to take care of one another. I remember, for example, growing up, like, my, one of my grandmother's best friends in the neighborhood had, like, a Sunday school. All the kids, when all the parents were at work, we just go hang out at her house. It's like, village living. You take care of everybody. So, mm-hmm. even when outsiders come mm-hmm. in, we treat them the same as we would treat our blood. Uh, mm-hmm. But we do that mm-hmm. and to our own detriment sometimes, because that's what happens mm-hmm. when people can come over here and they pillage and then they took people over and they were slaves, like, because we were that kind. Right. And it's crazy because meanwhile people look at us and then they have fear. Like what? Like we're the kindest people. Exactly. <laughs> we're the kindest. Goodness. Wow, okay. <laughs> My mind is a little blown. <laughs> <laughs> Had no idea that there are white folks over there like that. What? Oh my goodness. I should send you one day I'm actually this week what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go out. Every time I go out okay. I'm gonna just take pictures for you and I'll just send it. So okay, you can please, see for please. yourself, especially when you're in a grocery store. Oh my gosh! So like, there's like little white kids. Listen, like, yes, they have their own little like, like groups, like their little parties that they do. Like, there's certain restaurants that a lot of us don't go to because when you go there, it's just overrun with white people. Like, what? Oh my gosh! <laughs> So what about like, the schools? Are they like in the same school? Yeah, they're in the same. They they have, we also have um, we also have an American school. It's called Lincoln Community School. We have um, a okay. German and Swiss school. We have um, there's a lot of like Chinese schools in Tema in an area called Tema. Um, and so yeah, wow. but sometimes and then we have international schools. Obviously, so a lot of them will go to the international schools as well. A large population. Some of them like their families have been like generations. Of Ghanaian white people. Generations, hey. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's a whole other thing I want to look into uh, now. Jeez. Them and, right. them and the Lebanese. Them and Lebanese, guys. Really? Yeah. A lot of Lebanese population, uh-huh. huh? Okay. That's very interesting. Taking notes. Yeah, right? Like, okay. All right, stuff down to look into. <laughs> um. So, uh, this has been amazing. I got to ask you, what's next for you? Um, I remember you you indicated that you were looking into do like more visuals yeah. and uh, immersive theater. Explain uh, that to me. What's so, that like? I'm very dramatic. That's just by the way. And I think that because of, because of my propensity for drama, uh, I really enjoy being able to um, show my music in the way I see it in my head. Um, and in that regard, I want to get into immersive theater where um, my performances are not just me standing on the stage and singing to you, but they become full-on plays. They become full-on, you know, movement. Um, I'm bringing you guys into a specific world. And so I'm trying to develop um, kind of the beta for the Thank God It's Real musical that encompasses all of the different EPs in one stage performance. Um, and I feel like that's the only way I can so perform it. Yeah, I feel like that's the only way I can perform it. <laughs> I'm like, ah! <laughs> um, and then, in that regard, I'm so cool. going to be using the, the themes from what I want to do in the musical are going to be what also inspires some of the visuals. Um, in everything I do, I want there to be a common thread. I want it to feel like it's, I'm telling my story. And so even within the visuals, I want there to be something very common going through all of them. And so that's something I want to do because I know I don't have a lot of visuals, but I have a lot of music. Um, and so now I'm trying to get into letting people see me here. Um, and especially being home in Ghana, like I want also people to get a sense of where I'm from and see something different because Ghana is beautiful. Even if, when you just move out of the capital, a lot of people just think of Ghana and think of Accra, but when you move outside of the capital, Ghana is a very beautiful, very much tropical, coastal uh, country. And so... I want to also get into showing more of what we have here. We've got elephants, we've got all kinds of stuff. I want to turn my music into these kind of like visual experiences where it's like a musical. Because um, I feel like that's the only way you can experience them. And how, how I, I see, every time I think of my music, I think of the film. And then I'm like, okay, I want someone to like, if, I'm, if, I'm, if you're listening to the song, I want you to imagine exactly the position that you have to be in. If you're playing lead, if you're if you're looking at it from the outside, you 
outside, if you're a third party in the room, I want you to feel exactly what the song is making me feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the only way I can do that is through like immersive theater. For example, like you ever been to those movie theaters where you're like watching 3D, it's like IMAX, but then they also have like effects. Like it's like mm-hmm. if you splash the water, they're like yes, splashing yes. water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I kind of want people to be able to experience my music like that. That's awesome. Yeah. So trying to develop that and then obviously also do a bunch of visuals because 44 songs. Now mm-hmm. it's like I have a lot of work to do. Gonna <laughs> be yeah, one of a so. kind though, like definitely a pioneer <laughs> in that field. Yeah, you're going to have to bring that over to the States. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. Now I think I'm going to do it every year. Nice. Oh. Yeah. That's <laughs> dope. So the 11 weeks leading up to my birthday, I'm going to do that. You know what? Just stamp your name in the history books right now. <laughs> yeah, <that's> straight up. <laughs> I am in. Yeah, I am in. Dope, man. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. This has been amazing. Yes. This has been so dope. Yeah, we we want to thank you again. Yes. Thank, thank you for you, coming thank on. You, thank, thank you for you. sharing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad I could do it. Yes, ah, absolutely. Man, we really appreciate it. Our first guest, Rhea Boss. Boom, 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 boom. All right. Air horn, air horn, air horn. <laughs> All right. Uh, we definitely have to do this again. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! I wish we could like hang out. Uh, yeah, well, I'm probably going to be coming to the States, like, sometime soon, so, Let you know, us that's know. a possibility. Let us know. Yeah, yeah, we're going to set, we definitely going to set something up. Uh, oh, for sure. Before I got you, you got anything you want to plug? Where can people find yes. you? Yes. Oh, yes, people can find me. Uh, so, right now, I'm on a little social media break, but I'm back in, like, two weeks, uh, and it's all Rhea Boss. You just type Rhea Boss with an underscore before and after the Rhea Boss on Instagram, on Twitter, RhiaBoss.com to find out about any tours, anything happening. I might be in Europe for a little while, doing a couple tours in the coming months, so look out for that. Um, and yeah, a couple of videos to be coming out very soon. Very soon. <laughs> so watch out for that as well. Yeah, make sure you send this over. I want the exclusive. I want the exclusive. Oh, anything you got. I got you. I'll even send you guys some unreleased music too, if you want to hear it. Oh, yes. Yes. Y'all Please. jealous. Our, our audience is going to be jealous as hell. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. yeah, thank you so much. Thank yes, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. That wraps up today's episode of the BZ Podcast. Sitting down with Real Boss. We are super happy. We got the chance and the opportunity to chat it up. Um, very interesting. Very dope individual. Yes. Very dope music. Yes. Just a awesome. beautiful woman just all around. And I really hope you all enjoyed it. Shout out to everybody who takes the time to listen to our little old podcast every (laughs) now and then. And we hope to just keep bringing y'all more content. And creatives, we want to talk to y'all. Yes. We want to talk to y'all. Don't hesitate to reach out. And uh, we will see you next time. Peace. Bye. (laughs) Deuces. Got a lot of strength. That love was so Vraiment, my chérie. You've got it all. Il y a l'amour dans ta vie. There ain't nothing better.
Said, are you in this for forever? Are you in this till infinity? Yeah.